if you want to grab a Bible, um, Galatians 5 is where we're going to be at. Um, thanks for being here, especially those that are guests with us. Um, and just thanks for taking the time to come and, and just, man, see what God has this morning. Um, sometimes it's just so much easier just to stay at home, is it not? Um, and uh, I just believe the Lord has something powerful, um, not just because I have a, a million props, um, but uh, because I, I just really believe that um, the weightiness of what we've looked at in broken religion um, is found mainly from effort in our own strength to be the people God's called us to be and a little understanding of actually the God that's in us to produce what he wants for our lives. Um, I want to begin with a story um, about a town um, that had this tractor, and this, this tractor, this town, this rural town called this tractor the Big Red Tractor, and it was this famous tractor because it did so much work for the town in actually producing, uh, tilling the crops and doing the work of um, gardening and tilling and, and farming. And so every morning, uh, the, the town would come and they'd gather around this tractor and somebody would get on top of the tractor to steer and the town would begin to push the tractor through the fields. And some people had a rope and they would pull the tractor through the fields and they would work hard and they would work hard and they would work hard. Um, and at the end of the day, they would leave the tractor, they would go to their homes and they would be exhausted and they would go to sleep and they would get up the next morning and they'd come back to the tractor and they'd do it again and somebody else would get up on top and the people would come behind and they'd push the tractor and push the tractor and people would be in the front and they'd pull it and pull it and pull it. And slowly and slowly and slowly it would do the work of tilling the fields and they would plant the crops and it would rain and plants would grow and they would harvest it and there would be food to eat and it would feed the town. Well, there was one particular night where the farmer was at, at home, and he was going through his, just his garage, and he found this book, and the book actually said the owner's manual to the big red tractor, and so he began to like, read through it. He's like, well, this is interesting. What is this? He began to read through it, and as he read through it, he was amazed because he realized something he did not know was that the tractor was intended to actually power itself. And that the people didn't have to push it and didn't have to pull it. But that if it ran properly, it would do the work for them. And so he goes to the people the next morning. He's like, guys, you're not going to believe this. This thing will, will do the work for us. And they're like, that's ridiculous. You're crazy. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. And so he was determined, we're going to do this. And so he stayed up night after night after night. He's like, we've got to fix this thing. What's wrong? And so he's, he, he dug into the motor. He dug into the, and he figured out what was wrong. And he turned the key and it powered up. And he was blown away because it actually ran. Never heard it run before. So he gets on it. It's in the middle of the night. He gets on it and he starts plowing fields. And what takes weeks and weeks and weeks, he did in one night. And the people of the town wake up the next morning and they come out to do the work. And it's all done. And they're like, what in the world? He's like, guys, I told you. And what had happened was they harvested the crops and there was more fruit and more produce than they could even handle. And so they began to bless the towns around them and send food and send crops and send produce. Listen, much of our lives are that, right? Is it for a lot of us, oftentimes we forget that the, 
the demands and the commands of the scriptures to be a certain kind of people as the people of God is less about effort, pushing, pulling, and more about surrender and the power of God actually enabling us to be who he's called us to be through the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the Holy Spirit. And we're in this series called Broken Religion. Um, and the reality is there's only one way to live free of broken religion, and it's through a Spirit-filled life. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you have the Holy Spirit in you. There's no hoops you have to jump through. There's no magic words you have to say. Like, through faith in Jesus, God puts himself in you to be who he's calling you to be. And that's what I want to explore this morning Because the goal of the flesh and the goal of broken religion is to get you, and we've said this numerous times, to get you and I to carry something that we weren't intended to carry, to bear a weight that we weren't intended to bear. And the Bible calls it living under the law. Last week, Rick gave the illustration of your flesh is like a bossy bully that bosses you around and makes you do the things you don't want to do and threatens you. But here's what I want us to see this morning is this truth right here. That the role of the Holy Spirit is to fulfill in and through you all that the cross means for you. Listen, this this message is a game changer. Not because I'm speaking it, but because it's actually where the rubber meets the road in the Christian life. Is the work of God through us. The Holy Spirit working out in the everyday to produce fruit. That's what we're going to look at. Is that everything that God asks of you, requires of you, demands of you, desires for you, finds its fulfillment in God's empowerment through you, through a surrendered life. And so, um, so the, here's the question. How do, how do we know if the Holy Spirit's at work in us? How, how do we know? So let's, um, let's go to our passage, Galatians chapter 5. Pick it up at verse 22. So the beginning, uh, the verses before that talked about effort, the flesh, and what the flesh produces, um, the sinful nature produces. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, here's the question. Um, Why the emphasis on fruit? Um, I want to show you, I just want to give you a whole, whole gamut of passages. I'm just going to put them up on the screen and just go through them fairly quickly. Just to kind of give you, biblically, why does the Bible talk so much about fruit? Um, first one, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 5, Hosea 14, um, Israel is actually referred to as the vineyard of the Lord. Um, in Psalm 1, 3, it says, The man who delights in the law of the Lord is compared to a tree Planted by streams of water that yield fruit in season. Psalm 61.3, describing the work of God in the people of God's life, it says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Such a beautiful picture. Um, In John 15, it says, By this the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Why? Why? So you prove to be my disciple. In John 7, it says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you may bear fruit for God. 
Um, one, one guy rightly said, the church is the garden of God. Um, this is a little toy garden that my, um, my mother-in-law made for my kids. It just allows them to see the, the reality of what happens when you plant and just, just play in, in this for my kids. And I brought it as just, just this visual picture of what it looks like. Okay, what does it mean for the church to actually be the garden of God? That we would be people who produce certain kind of lives not by our effort, but by actually God producing it in you. Because he's made you to be you. The biggest lie in Christianity is um, that you have to not be you. You have to be something else. I mean, God's made you to be you and to kill it at being you. Not to be some certain version of a Christian that, that, that maybe the Bible says you're supposed to be, that means you're, you can't be you. No, there's aspects of you that is flesh. There's aspects of me that is flesh and needs to die. But when God gets a hold of us and he lets me be who he actually made me to be and he lets you be actually who he made you to be, unbelievable things result. And it doesn't look the same from person to person at all. At all. And it's amazing and here's the truth, is that all of these things that I have up here, the apples, the bananas, I even brought a kiwi. You guys like kiwi? Just a random question. All of these things that are up here, the natural byproduct of the seed in the ground produces the fruit it's the law of fruitfulness, right? Is that what, what you, you reap what you sow, right? What you put in the ground is actually what you're going to get. So if you get like something nasty and gross, like there's probably something you can trace it back to the DNA. You can trace it, trace it back to the seed. There's something going on in the seed because the law of fruitfulness is that it's a natural byproduct of its seed. Listen to how it's put in Luke 6. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. So, like, how do you know if an apple tree is an apple tree, right? You, you go and it has a sign on the base, right? No, like, does it bear, you might not know. Well, let's start that way. Like, you, if there's no apples on it, you might not know it's an apple tree. And you might have to do some investigation, No, it bears fruit. It bears apples. There's going to be fruit on it. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart, out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So the fruit actually enables us to trace back to the root of what's going on. On. So we see in our passage here a whole list of things, right, that could be described as the fruit of godliness, right? And so we can look at that list and we can even use that list as, in a lot of bad ways we can use that list, but one of the things that I think this passage is teaching us is what does it look like for the, 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 the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit to actually be working itself out in our lives? And where, where bad fruit comes up, it's an opportunity for the gospel to reveal to us where we're not surrendering to the Spirit, where our flesh and our cravings and our sinful nature are actually getting in the way. Because the truth is, 
Against such things there is no law. Right? Okay. Broken religion demands love. Right? Broken religion demands be joyful. Smile. My mom used to tell me that growing up all the time. Smile. I'm like, why? Like, okay. Like, I, broken religion looks at you and says, be peaceful. <laughs> that, that's, help, that's helpful, right? Be faith. Like, it, it looks at this list and it puts the weight on us that you better be that. Listen, a vine does not produce grapes by act of parliament. They are the fruit of the vine's own life. And where it's not producing that fruit, then maybe it's not alive. Maybe the work of God isn't present. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at this list and I'm like, man, I need to be more patient. So it's like, I'm going I'm to work on patience. One author calls it apple nailing. Right? So you have a tree, and imagine if we like, took, took some nails and we actually took this apple and we like, nailed it to the tree. Right? So I'm going to put on patience. I'm going to put on the fruit of righteousness so that you can see what really isn't at the core of the tree. Because when the tree's healthy, it's going to produce the fruit. God wants to produce a fruitfulness in our lives by His Spirit, not by our effort. Yesterday, my daughter made this, this flower. I thought it was not only perfect timing, she had this art kit, and uh, she totally said she didn't follow the directions, and she just made whatever she wanted, and it turned out to be pretty pretty awesome, um, but it's not alive, right? It looks cool, it's artistic, but it's dead. There's no, there's no life here, right? And here, here's the thing about a flower like this is you can, you can, she could literally make this into whatever she wants, right? She's like, I want to be, I want to look like this, and so, you know, she can use the, the blue ribbon to make this, and she can make the flower this color, and, um, but there's no life here, it's fake. Like, you smell it, it smells like paper. Right? It's very different than this flower. That's actually a product of the seed. It actually has a fragrance. It's very different. Hey, ladies, anybody get fake flowers for Valentine's Day? Would that be, a, would that be bad to do? To give? Right, like why, like, why are we not interested in that? It's manufactured, right? It's fabricated. It's the byproduct of my daughter's effort. She did a great job. The amazing thing about the real is that it becomes exactly what God intends for it to become. And we get in real danger when we become people who say, no, this is who I want to become. So I'm going to begin to add to my life the things that I think will make me, make me pretty and make me beautiful and make me have the fragrance that I think I need to have rather than actually being a byproduct of the Spirit of God working His life out through who He's designed me to be. I'm just going to pass these around. 
Um, I just want you to look at the difference. Sorry, this one's kind of dripping. I dethorned it. Thorns. Don't worry. Okay, I, I think I dethorned it. Um, and smell it. I just, I just want you to get a, get a visual, a tangible feel. That if we're honest, there's really not all that much beauty in the fake. Right? There's really not all that much. There's no fragrance to, to, the, to the fake, to the facade. Broken religion, listen, beckons us to this fabricated life. Can, can we just be honest with how silly this is? Okay? Listen, that we would find any interest to be people that would want to come to a church on Sunday morning, put on some false facade that we have it all together or that we're, we're, we're loving and we're like, that we could play this, this game. Like, listen, there are so much more fun things to do in life than to, to play the act, right? Like, go play some golf or basketball or go hang out with your friends. Like, it, listen, this place and what God's called you to be and me to be is an an organism, a living people that are learning to surrender our hearts to the Lord, not to, to apple nail love on, not to apple nail joy, not to apple nail a sense of faithfulness, but that it would be a byproduct of God working in and through our lives. Because here's the truth. That, that false front we put on, what happens? It's eventually going to show. It's eventually going to show. And praise God for that. Like, like listen, life's too hard for it not to, right? Like, life's too crazy and rings you out for, for that, that, that fake church stuff. That if we're honest here as a community, like, really just isn't us, right? Like... I mean, we can tend to that, and some of us can tend to that more than others. Um, but that's one of the beauties of this place is that we're just real with where we're at and what we're thinking and what we're, what's going on in our hearts. And we, we should celebrate that because the, the fabricated life is a, really a waste of time because it brings no, brings no hope to actually what you're doing and what you're called to. And it doesn't actually produce anything but fake, which will never change the world. Right? Well, never will. You can fabricate all you want to be loving. But gosh, if it's not real. Like, if you have kids, they're the first to see through the fake. The first ones to see through it. Only the real stuff is going to change the world. And that's, and God's like, I'm real. I'm alive in you working in and through your life. And the truth is, is that God loves us too much to leave us dead in our lies. Fake love, fake joy, fake peace, fake patience, fake kindness, fake goodness, fake faithfulness, fake gentleness, fake self-control. He longs that we would be alive. So here's the question. How do we be alive? Let's get really practical here. Look at verse 20. 25. 24 says that we have to die first. Before we can be alive, we actually have to die. And then 25 goes on to say, if we live by the Spirit, 
Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the truth is, is that in, in Christ, thanks, man, is, that, is that in Christ we're actually alive. Is that through our lives, like Christ actually makes us alive. He births faith into us. So the fact that you're breathing is the grace of God on your life. But spiritually speaking, if you're spiritually alive and your eyes are open and your heart is beating with affection for the Lord, that's a gift from God. And so Paul continues to say, okay, if we live by the Spirit, then the only way to keep stepping with the Spirit is by the Spirit. So let me give you some quick definitions. What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Um, To agree or to remain in agreement. To adhere your life to a standard. To live in harmony with the Spirit. To hold to or to conform or to imitate And this one's my favorite. To be in a series or a rank. Thinking about the military, like how the military would march and what it looks like for them to be in series and be in step with one another. Like it's just amazing. It's amazing. That's the picture of what it means to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Think about the alternative, okay? That... Not keeping in step with the Spirit would actually be us trying to run from the very thing that gives us life. So it would be like a, um, a, a Navy soldier jumping off the ship to fight on his own. Like swimming in the like, shark-infested water. Like, I'm going to go like, take out this other ship. Like, it's just ridiculous. And it would be like an army troop running out from behind their cover to do it on their own. It would be like an apple tree uprooting itself from the soil or cutting off its branch determined to live independent of its life source. Did you know that the word spirit actually means breath? Life. The breath of God in and through our lives. Because walking by the spirit is the outward manifestation and action and speech of the spirit's life in us. So let me give you some, some fundamental truths. Here's the first one. This is going to be like, you've never heard this before. This is going to be like, write this down. You want to frame this because this is something you've never heard before. Not really at all. Here it is. This life isn't your own. You're like, oh, we've never said that before. No. Think about that. Fundamental truth. This life is not our own. What does Romans 7, 4 say? That we're called to bear fruit for God. If that reality is a bummer, that this life isn't your own, hold on, because I'm going to address that here, here in, in a little bit. But we're in great danger of, of running our own life, of trying to produce this certain kind of fruit that we long for, where we run, we're not in step with the Spirit, we run out ahead rather than with Him guiding and directing the very things He's putting in us and how He's made us and wired us. The second thing I want you to see is that this list of fruit of the Spirit is not a punch list. Right? And if you're any, any task people, you're like, love, okay, check, like, joy. It, it's not that at all. For one, the list isn't exhaustive. So it's not like you can look at this list and like, this is the summation of a spirit-filled living. No, it's not exhaustive. But two, you can't isolate them. Like, when you look at that list, we could probably talk for hours about how they're all interdependent of one another. Like, can you really have joy in your life if you're not at peace? 
right? Is faithfulness somewhat dependent on the fact that you're loved? And we could go on and on and on. All of these things make up a collage of grace that work together. And should, we should be growing in all of these graces. And together they reveal a holistic, healthy spirit working out through our lives. Here's the reality. is where we see fruit of the flesh. It reveals areas of our heart that the gospel and the spirit need to work on. The list just above, those verses in verse 20, 21. But where we see fruit of the Spirit, it reveals God's Spirit has pressed into the core of our being and is producing something in us. Uh, Here's another fundamental truth that I want you to hear is that keeping in step with the Spirit is not about your performance. So, Several years ago, my wife and I uh, fulfilled one of our life goals together where we ran, ran a marathon together. And it was my second marathon, and one of the things that, that was so exciting for me was that it was my second and it was her first. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to show her. Uh, I'm going to, like, lead the course. I'm going to, like, show her the ropes. Uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, since she's not very athletic or very driven. Okay. Just seeing if you're listening. Did you just say, which wife is that? <laughs> okay. um, no, she's very athletic and very driven. It was just seeing you for paying attention. Um, and literally a little past halfway, um, I, I could not keep in step with her. Like She was literally, and many of you know my wife, like, it, duh, like you could have picked how this would go, right? She was like, come, like, come on, like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, but she was encouraging and a coach and a trainer and all, all those things. But I couldn't keep in step with her. Like, I was, I was drained. I was gone. My performance could not match her performance. Being filled with the Spirit is not that. It's not. you got to keep up with Him. You, you better be on your game because the Spirit's going and He's beckoning you to come. It's not that. And here's what it is. Keeping a step is all about your your rest. I want to dive into this a bit. It's all about your abiding. Actually being with God. That he's real. It's like one of my favorite things is when I tell my three-year-old like that Jesus is here and she's like, like where? Right? Like, we tell ourselves that too. Like Jesus is here and you're like, like where? The element of faith that's hard and challenging is like, is he here? Like, yeah, he is. I wish I could see him. That he's real and he's alive and he's living. And we have a relationship with him in very similar ways that we have a relationship with others. But also in way more profound ways. Broken religion makes the Christian life into a, into a sprint that puts the pressure and weight on your back to produce. Go, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. And then we, man, we buy into the shame of all that we're supposed to be as people of faith. I 
And I think there's a large aspect where God just isn't all that disappointed in us. (laughs) He's just so joyful over us and delighting in us. And in that delight is beckoning us to a life of more and more fruit and more and more impact and more and more of his presence. Because here's what it says in John, John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Like, okay, let's just be honest. Like, we don't believe that. At a fundamental level, we don't believe that apart from Christ we can really do nothing. And the truth is, is that we can actually do some stuff that we begin to believe the lies that it's actually something valuable. But what we learn from Scripture and from the truth of even this very passage is that it's really not the very thing that God has for us. It's some stuff that the Bible says is, is nothingness. And it will only lead to despair and only lead to devices that were listed, envy, strife, jealousy, rivalries. But as people of God, if you're in Christ, here's the truth. Fruit is a byproduct of the life of God oozing out of you. The byproduct. Like we can put on the fake Right? Like, like this banana, it's nasty. It's just gross. There's no flavor to it. It's kind of squishy. I have no clue where my kids put this. But like this, this banana, like it, it, it actually has flavor. Am I hungry? good. It's alive. It's real. It has taste. It has texture. So let's just keep getting more practical. What does it take to grow? How many of you, let me just put it out there for you. Some of you are really um, into gardening. Like, What does it take to grow a garden? Time. See if you guys get all my list. Water, sun, soil, food. You guys are nailing it. You guys, seeds, carbon dioxide. Woo. It's great. Manure. Very true. Very true. So let's think about some of these things. Because they're all true and they're all, they're all practical. I love how life is so interwoven with the things that God calls us to. Like, it, like the, the illustration of the Christian life is in life. Because God's in life and life is in everything. But like think, think about that. Water. What does it take to grow? Water. Look at a picture of, of, of longing and thirsting. That's the illustration the Bible uses. Like longing for God, thirsting. Scripture says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. That's how we grow as people. Somebody said sunlight. Who said sunlight? Boston? We could go into all the details of what actually the sun is doing when it's shining down. But let's just think about 
the idea for us as God's people of what it means for us to be worshipers. If we would just grow as worshipers, what it, the kind of people it would produce in and through our lives would totally change. Right? Part of the way that we grow is we worship. We learn to bask in the radiance of God. Is that we celebrate his amazing beauty that's independent of circumstance. We bask in his radiance. Somebody said food. You ever wonder why? I've always wondered. I'm like, it's so dumb. Like, they give me flowers and I gotta, like, they get this little bag of flower food. Um, but why? It's because everything that's alive has to eat to stay alive. So we need food. And as God's people, we gotta feast. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of whom you sent me. So there's, a, there's an aspect where what's fueling me is actually an obedient life that's listening to God. God, what do you have? What are you doing? God, God what do you want from my life? That's what the obedient life is. What's God saying and what am I doing about it? It's an ear to the Lord. It's, his, it's listening to his word. It's feasting. It's what we're trying to do right here, right now is we're We're eating. Some of us, bananas. Pruning. Pruning isn't fun. Um, If you're not careful, the pruning process will actually kill the plant, right? You ever go to prune something, you're like, I don't know if I should cut this off. Like, well, if your pruning process is like, whoop, that's probably going to be a problem. I'm not a flower guy, but... um, but there's an aspect where it's learning, it's repenting, it's receiving correction. Somebody said time, time, waiting. Because here's what stinks is you can't rush it. Like, my kids don't understand. Like, well, they'll eat apples and they'll pull the apple seeds out and they'll go put them in the dirt and they'll just be like, they'll, and they'll just put way too much water on it. Time, we hate that process. We hate the time that it takes to actually grow us into who we're supposed to be. But here's the truth is you can't rush growth. And with that, you can't rush healing. If you've ever had a surgery, if you've ever been hurt, and you just want to get from here to like next year in healing, it's going to take that year. Unfortunately. How about this one? Trust. What do you do? You put seeds in the ground. You water, sunlight, you care for it. And at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of God. Right? Because what happens? Sometimes it grows and then it dies. And all you can do is trust. It's all you can do. You can do everything right to produce the fruit that you want. At the end of the day, it's out of your control. It takes trust. So what happens if we don't live this way? Verse 26 cautions us when it says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here's the truth is that 
The alternative is a life of conceit, a life of me. And the byproduct, it says, if you look at the passage of the, the life of me, the life of I'm going to do, I'm going to bear my fruit. What does it say the byproduct of that is? Broken relationships. Devouring one another. Provoking one another. Envying one another. It's all about me, my ambitions, my dreams. It's going to bear fruit of broken relationships. But what if, what if, stay with me because I'm, I'm, I'm almost done and this is the most important thing. What if I told you that God's dream and heart for your life was bigger than anything you could dream? Like what if like right now you're just, like you're dreaming. I know some of you, that's conversations with some of you. Like you're dreaming of what could be. You're dreaming of vision for your family, vision for, for your, your community, vision for the, the thing that God's given you. You're dreaming of those things. And what if I could tell you that, that God's dream and heart for your life is bigger than anything that comes out of here. That God's heart for you as his child, for the, for the fruitfulness of your life as his child, is so much more than anything that you could work up, listen, on your own, apart from the Spirit, apart from God's presence, out of your head. Why? Because what does John 15, 8 say? We read it earlier. By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit. Like, let's say this. I believe that God's desire for all of us is that our lives would bear much fruit. A whole ton of fruit. That's God's longing for us. But why? Why? So you could say how awesome you are, how great of a planner you are, how incredible you are at business or investing or relationships or religious activity or building a platform or all of the fruit of the Spirit that are here? No. What does it say? To prove that you are my disciple. Now listen. In being that, what God says, I'm going to give you a, abundance in your life as evidence to the world that you're my disciple, it might include as a secondary thing Gosh, that God's given you an unbelievable gift of building a platform. God's given you an unbelievable gift of relationships. God's given you an unbelievable gift to, to teach spiritual disciplines and spiritual life to God's people. That you are a, an incredible gift to the world. But ultimately, as a primary focus, it's to prove, gosh, you abide and you rest in me. But what's the point? At the end of the day, does the apple tree just glory in all its apples? At the end of the day, do the flowers of the field bask in all that the flowers produce for themselves? Like when you put perfume on or cologne, like do you do that for you? Maybe we shouldn't answer that question. No. Right? We do it because we want to have a fragrant life. Right? We, we long as people to bear fruit because we want to make an impact. 
on others. That love just doesn't terminate on the fact that I love and I feel good about that. But that it would impact people in joy and faithfulness and self-control. All of these things isn't so that we just become great at these things. For the praise of, wow, look at how great North Church is at producing fruit. But so that we could actually impact people so that others may taste the fruit of your life. They may smell the fragrant offering of your life. It may delight in the beauty of your life so that they may do it themselves. Why don't we pray and trust the Lord to just work in us where he's spoken to us and convicted us. Let's pray. Spirit, would you come and work? Would you come and produce? Would you come and move in our hearts and move in our lives? God, would you give us a dream and a vision for fruitful lives? Would you take us where we're lazy and satisfied? And would you show us where you're calling us to live lives that are more impactful. But God, fundamentally, would you show us that it all comes down to resting in you. And so God, in these moments, would we just rest that you're God. God, we don't want to sever ourselves from the vine. God, we, we want to admit you're the vine. We're just the branches. You are the vine. And God, really get us to the place this morning to help us understand that apart from you, we really cannot do anything of value. God, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.